0: Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we love the films from our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we're discussing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows. It was released in 2016, directed by Dave Green. It stars Megan Fox, Will Arnett, and Tyler Perry. This is the fifth film we've watched, second in the reboot. And it continues a journey of live action mixed with CGI turtles. Now, this is a fair warning. We're spoiling a seven-year-old movie. So if you haven't seen it, we will be revealing key plot points. Uh, I think the first thing I'll ask is, what do you want from a angsty teenage turtle film? You, I think we talked about this in the previous ones. Kind of like, who is this geared towards? I was trying to put myself in the mindset, because I'll admit it was the first time I'm seeing it, but... Um, of would I enjoy this if I was, you know, maybe 13
1: and, and maybe I don't have problems with that. How you, you, how do you feel about that? Yeah. If I was, if I was in that demographic watching this movie in the theater, probably not. I think that it falls into the realm of hitting the beats that it probably needs to for that demographic. Um, mm-hmm. but then it's also like, but does it, you know, I don't even know if that word existed back then, but was this cringe even back then for that demographic? Mm. Cause like, mm. it's kind of try hard at times, I think to, mm-hmm. to be hip and cool. And, but you know, and again, it's like the, the, the first movie, the 2014 one is, you know, I'm still not buying that these guys are teenagers. It still just yeah. doesn't feel like it.
2: They're like
0: 27. They've been through a lot. <laughs> Splinter even says, oh, you're finally, you have to make a decision and you are no longer boys. And it's like, wait a second.
1: <laughs> like, Yo, that, one, that fighting
0: one, and doing lots of crazy stuff already. It's like
1: that one has a beard, like a full on beard. That one's got like, no, no, these aren't boys anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe the part of it when you talk about the beats um we at least our commentary during it definitely felt like there's a lot of moments things feel really extended so maybe it's not only about making the turtles cool but just how long or these scenes would be as they had their fights and the different things like that Mm -hmm. um was there anything bobby that really stood out to you from that perspective (laughs)
2: i love that pause oh man (laughs) tell us
0: how you really feel
2: no 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 i mean i mean clearly they took a lot more from the tv show than in some of the previous ones i think you know we finally get bebop and rocksteady which might be a nod to some of the previous movies with the token razor stuff and we finally get krang too so there's that it's important that we got to see those characters i mean i don't know how
0: watching the cartoons for as, long as we did you wouldn't want to see everyone in the film i think understanding we had a uh, baxter the scientist in it i was fully mm-hmm. ready for his conversion into a fly um definitely wanted that to happen but i think we could come back to the start because just like the other one there's lots of scenic shots of the city uh really trying to emphasize that you're in new york okay we got it we, yeah. we know where they're at and they also have insane traversal skills. Uh, as matt pointed out they can move from one area to the other without even uh without a breath so it does ask questions but no one they...
2: sees them and we don't see anybody else there's like no one in the city
0: there's no one in the city when they're moving around i i, I hate to admit that i kept thinking they they keep moving in the sewer so they're just full of poop <laughs> this is really gross they make that water no, look it's clean, like an ab- no abandoned
2: subway not like a uh, sewer i would hope well,
0: everything they're moving through is... Anyways, The um, they set it up, and I think it's kind of the Keeper here is, hence the name Out of the Shadows, and it's really trying to show us that they have an angst to be a part of the real world, and they go to a Knicks game from high in the rafters. You know, given that's the theme that they were aiming for, do you feel like they succeeded with taking the turtles out of the shadows?
2: Well, they kept saying it over and over again in the beginning. They're like... <laughs> They're like we're we've been in the shadows all this time.
1: Borderline waiting for them to look at the camera. And be like, if only we could be out of the shadows. That would have been amazing. Dead eye in the camera.
2: <laughs>
1: so I mean, it, yeah. it
2: made me. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting misdirect because it really made me think that they were going to do the the human serum. Hmm. You know, especially in the beginning when they're like, oh, you know, like we can't see we want to be human, which I have to say is a total tonal shift from the previous movies where they, quote, love being turtles. (laughs) How did they go from they love being turtles to, oh, well, let's be human.
0: I guess we didn't get a long lead up in terms of them showing a strong desire to be human like what what caused that outside of like oh maybe they have some internal strife that we weren't made aware of and bebop
2: and rocksteady had no problem mutating into animals at all they're like wow this feels great this is awesome there's no like
1: The fly moment or anything like that.
2: Right. There's no like, oh, I'm sad. I'm not a human anymore. It's just like, hey, I'm an animal now. This is awesome. I could do things. I have a tail. Isn't this cool?
1: (laughs) With that ancestral DNA. Yeah. Do you know (laughs) inside every human, there's a
0: dormant gene that ties us to our animal ancestors.
1: Now we need to find out what our spirit animals are to see what we would turn into.
0: (laughs) You know, I was thinking about the entire time going like, wait, shouldn't everyone just try to inject themselves and see what happens? Why why is it an assumption that the turtles would turn into humans? But then what if you
2: turn into something you don't want to turn into? Then you're like, "Oops. Need to try to figure out how to get back again."
0: <laughs> you be you become a tick.
2: Which did they say did they explain? There wasn't really there's not a way to get back, right? It's like an irreversible situation, right? Even though like if you put a little bit, it seems like he goes back like he went to the five fingers and back to the four again. Okay, maybe there's hope for bebop and rocksteady. That it maybe in six months
0: it, it wears off. <laughs> maybe <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> I mean, we we get we're taught that they use Will Arnett's character as kind of the uh, the the sca- not the scapegoat, but really representing the person who saved the city. He's the hero that the city needed. <laughs> um, and I think what caught us all off guard is they're at the Knicks game, and we get like this that they decided to interrupt the game to do a whole special of like what's happening <laughs> like why how he saved the city and i just i was like what are we watching right now
2: no like this, this is like, me. to me that was like the first time out this isn't the halftime show, right? This is like <laughs> it really was. <laughs> like, let's just have, this have is a little cool
0: break for that. This
2: is when like the cheerleaders are gonna dance, or like the people are gonna shoot their T-shirts or whatever. But no, no, instead we'll mm-hmm. just interview this one guy off to the side, not even at half court or whatever.
0: And then the side play during this is is Megan Fox April o'neill talking to Tyler Perry Baxter who is the scientist and she's learning that they're going to break shredder out because yeah, for that's some a very reason important thing to do
1: like somehow he's connected to shredder sensei shredder or whatever and that's the thing
0: like you mentioned that Matt and it's why right yeah. why why does Baxter
1: care it makes no sense and then like the fact that he's leading it made even less sense Like, and I feel like that was the thing throughout this movie that like threw me for a loop, which was the motivation of the villains throughout this was Mm -hmm. either not there horribly translated or whatever. Like I, I will give them credit. They at least kept the, the, regardless of the fact that it wasn't set up properly, the turtles wanting to come out of the shadows, be recognized, maybe become humans Live a, you know, maybe not a normal life, but a life where they're not considered abnormal or whatever. That was kept up fairly decently throughout the movie. All the villains, their thing made no sense. Tyler Perry's Baxton Stockton wanted to be well-known in the annals of history. He already was Mm -hmm. to some extent. He's basically Neil deGrasse Tyson of this world or whatever, where everyone like people know his name. He's super well-known for graduating from MIT or whatever at 15, mm-hmm. like all these accolades that he has as a scientist already there. So it makes no sense why he's part of this whatsoever, how he hooked up with shredder before he went to prison, by the way, he had to have met him before the first mm-hmm. movie and was mm-hmm. not involved in that movie at all whatsoever. So somehow that had to happen somewhere. And then you had like, you know, uh, bebop and rocksteady or whatever, their motivation didn't really seem to exist at all. They just kind of rolled with everything. There wasn't really Mm -hmm. a rhyme or reason. And then Shredder made the least sense at all. The fact that, you know, he just kind of rolled with Krang's plot.
0: Yeah. Took a backseat to Krang. Yeah. And he's, he's not supposed to be the backseat type of guy. No.
1: Like I was wholly expecting the end of this movie and, a side note: You said you haven't seen it. I saw the first twenty minutes of it and stopped before. <laughs> um, so I, like, I haven't seen it all the way through either. So getting to the end, I was wholeheartedly expecting Shredder to be like, "Ha, sucker!" You know, and like try to betray Krang or something like that in order to get a hold mm-hmm. of the Drone so that he could take over the world, which I guess was his scope. I from the first movie wasn't really all that clear either because, you know, the first movie was they were going to release a virus and only they'd have the antidote and somehow they're going to become rich, which made sense for Eric Sachs, but made no sense for shredder whatsoever. And then again, here we Mm -hmm. are with another shredder who has no motivation. As far as I can tell a quote unquote vague take over the world thing. And then Krang Krang was the only one that didn't necessarily make sense, but they just kind of went with the fact that he was a world taking over, you know, he's like Frieza from dragon ball. Like he's just nasty. He just takes over planets because he can.
2: Right. Mm. But I was kind of surprised that Shredder didn't at least like expect him to double cross it. No, we're bros. I was <laughs> Yeah. I <laughs> was like, we're partners.
1: We met for three minutes and we're totally in this yep. together. Right. Yeah. No, I totally expected
2: Shredder to be like, I knew you were gonna do this and do something about it. Instead he was just like, Wait, what? Surprised when nobody else was surprised at all.
0: So part of this is this interaction we're talking about between Shredder and Krang is there's a, uh, the breakout scene and there's teleportation involved. And uh, uh, the first thing I noticed, and he came back in pain, is that it was like a full matter like decompiler, recompiler process. It wasn't, uh, it seemed painful. How did they know this was going to work?
1: <laughs> well, that was the thing, right? Baxter was like, you know, we weren't going to do this but we have no choice, which is a really weird decision to make at the moment because it's not like shredder was like in like a crap situation when they used the teleporter. He was literally just like, yeah, he would have got caught by the net, but they literally have like 500 ninjas that probably could have solved that problem pretty easily. Why they felt the teleporter was hundred like necessary. Like it reminded me of galaxy quest with their little splicer <laughs> that splices them into cubes to transport them. Like, that's literally mm-hmm. what it reminded me of at the time. Like, I was expecting Shredder to pop into the thing and it like his arm was sticking out of his head or something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, exactly. like, oh! yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, maybe. the uh, How do we feel about that as an overall
0: action scene, Bobby? I mean, we it's a freeway chase. The quintessential action movie thing to do. <laughs> freeway chase.
2: Right. No, I mean, there's a lot of, like, that kind of thing in this movie. A lot of, like, chasing and moving around and going after and up buildings and down buildings and under and there's just a lot going on and lens flares <laughs> giant
1: numchucks and quips and oh
2: yes the giant numchucks there's just a lot of like over the topness and i don't i don't know if that's like ooh like this will be a really good toy let's make this thing here now well, that's
0: a good point. But, I kind of want a dump truck with gigantic nunchuck arms that I yeah, can control doesn't that, somehow.
2: Doesn't that sound good? It's so useless. But <laughs> we do get
0: we do get introduced to uh, to I think a fan favorite for what is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whether it's a fan favorite in this film is what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> now how do you feel about Casey Jones? Stephen <laughs> Am- Emil is Casey Jones. You know what I said right away. I'm like, it oh, it's the arrow. arrow. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: that's <laughs> It's unfortunate, but it's the place that, you know, I went straight for to. And like the hardest part about it was, I think that out of everything in this franchise, that was going to be the hardest one for me, for them to reboot Mm -hmm. Casey Jones. I think Elias did such Mm -hmm. a great job with him. And then what we got with Stephen Amal was so cookie cutter vanilla. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't have any of the real personality. Like, I don't believe that his character... His motivation was very clear. (laughs) I wanted to be a detective. (laughs) Hey. Hey. (laughs) All my life,
2: I've wanted to be a detective.
1: No, it can't be.
2: I'll tell anybody. I'll tell anybody at any time.
1: But he plays hockey, too. So it all all meshes, right, into a character. I don't... If I if I ignored the previous incarnation of it and looked at it just as it is, I don't necessarily think that they gave him what he needed to become Casey Jones because Casey Jones was always supposed to be like a vigilante. And so like they very easily could because I mean if you think of like Dark Knight Rises with um oh crap, I uh Joseph Joseph gordon Lovett's um Robin or whatever in that movie a very like he was a cop became very disillusioned he was like i can't i can't do what's right if i'm in this position because the authority gets in the way the you know there's too much compromise whenever it comes to what's you know to do what's right and so he tosses his badge into the ocean or whatever which is littering by the way and he mm-hmm. you know essentially is you know intended to become the next batman another vigilante they didn't really do that for steven's character here i feel like if they were going to make him a cop who became a vigilante, it wasn't quite there. Um, Like what, what was her name? Um Laura Lindley's character, chief mm-hmm. Vincent, like her character mm-hmm. comes in and basically is like, you know, sit on the bench. Right. And that's what leads mm-hmm. to him basically becoming the, the vigilante in this one. And it just didn't quite work for me as much as what we got previously. And mm-hmm. even within the context of this movie, it, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. It just, again, how many characters, like, I almost felt like they knew this was going to be it. And they're like, well, how many characters from the franchise can we put in here? Hmm. Then I'd say not enough, right?
2: <laughs> right. Well, really, was it going to be it? Because Baxter didn't become a fly. That was, like, the one thing they didn't have time for. And I wonder if it was in the script and they're just like, there's too much going on. Maybe Maybe they did it. Long. They saw
1: the CG and they were just like, no, no, we can't, no. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a great time to talk through a little bit of the tech stuff. Bobby, give us give us your rating on the CG. How are we feeling about it?
2: Yeah, fine. <laughs> good. fine is good. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it was fine. I mean,
0: they... Okay, what about the turtles themselves? Because there they were little changes they made, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, last time I talked about how, like, I didn't like their design. But this time I've kind of, like lived with it you know i i know that this is what we're getting but you know i thought they're like their facial movements seemed to work i didn't have any issues with that and i thought Mm -hmm. that they looked pretty good and you mentioned like they did a lot of hard stuff with them you know there's like cloth simulations and they went into water and all sorts of different lighting scenarios for them so this seemed like a pretty technically challenging movie and then like There was this like pretty innocuous scene where like Bebop is going through like a parking lot and just destroying one car after the other, and like I was thinking like this is a Bayham again, you know? It's like twelve cars getting destroyed in this one shot here, and there's just you know, it's funny
0: you mentioned that scene because it's he's running after Casey Jones, and I was going, I kind of want to see the behind the scenes on this one because there's a moment when they're fighting each other where. And this is also at the end when the police chief is talking to the turtles. They did a good job with their eyelines and kind of making Mm -hmm. it feel like they were actually in the presence of these CGI creatures. So I was like, I'd like to see the behind the scenes of how they did this. Because obviously Bebop and Rock City were massive, right? So, you know, the way he moved around them, I was like, this looks pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of it that looked good. I mean, And this movie must just be like a massive technical undertaking with all the physical effects and the cg and just integrating the two of them together so but i think the... where
0: matt we talked about the the where it seemed to really stand out or make a difference where it maybe wasn't as good is when they would switch to what were really full cg scenes mm-hmm. where everything behind them was cg and it felt like for me frames were dropping is the best way I could describe it, but it didn't feel as smooth as maybe when they were interacting with the live action.
1: It felt weirdly like, uh, at one point when they were, uh, you know, going through the techno drone scene where like they were kind of up in the air, it felt weirdly. Like I was looking at these CG characters behind a blue screen for some reason, like Mm -hmm. the compositing wasn't quite right with it, which is weird Mm -hmm. because it was all CG. So there should have been no reason for it. Um, Yeah, it's weird because I think right before that, I had complimented because they had the scenes where, you know, the turtles kind of come out of the shadows. They get introduced to the police or whatever as, hey, we're the good guys. We're part of the team. And I was like, wow, they actually look pretty like, you know, you're talking about like the river scene looks really good. The daytime scene with them looks good, which is infamously where like, you know, CG falls apart like that. That's the reason why Mm -hmm. I usually have them in the dark moving really fast and stuff like that. A lot of shadows. They were in broad daylight and they actually looked pretty good. I was like, Oh, it looks pretty good. And then it cuts to the last battle sequence. And I was like, wow, this is falling apart so quick for some reason. Like <laughs> clearly they're running out of budget or time and like, they forgot to turn it from, you know, like the, the extreme settings and they were just at like medium setting for their mm-hmm. for their render cards <laughs> that,
0: to- that totally is what it was wasn't it
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> but i
0: bet or there someone was asked a... for one extra level of ray tracing and then it just shot it shot down the machine go ahead I,
2: I bet there's a bunch of stuff that's fully cg you know like i bet the whole like beginning sequence with the whole like chrysler building or whatever is entirely
1: but i feel like they got away with that because it was probably at night it was probably a little bit mm-hmm. less noticeable. I like the sequence itself was completely ludicrous. It made no sense whatsoever, but I feel like the quality of it held up a bit better at that point than it did at the end. I don't, it's funny because like it just felt like something was off. Even like uh Krang was like, it felt like the quality for him kind of fell off a little bit. Um And even like the techno drone, some of the shots just weren't quite holding up quite as well. It, it's just weird because like, um, And maybe it's because some of the shots that I'm thinking of that kind of uh, held up better than I thought were totally trailer shots. Like the, uh, the tank popping out of the river and shooting the missile or or the, the shell at the turtles or whatever, like held up pretty well, like bebop and rock not so much, but the sequence itself wasn't bad. Um, But the, like I said, maybe they were just running out of time or maybe it was a reshoot. Maybe it was different and they had to go back and redo it. You just don't have the budget Mm. or the time to, you know, give it 100%. Hmm.
0: So we see their CG transitions. You mentioned that you're not so into that, how they appeared. But how do we feel about the... um, We're back at still uh, an ooze chase, right? The whole premise is... There's some ooze. We all got to get a hold of it somehow. They're in Brazil <laughs> because they <laughs> need to get well. Two parts. We need to get the ooze, but also there's all the crank stuff going on because he wants to come in and there's a tech technodrome Techno- technodrome yeah. there, that uh that somehow everyone is aware of, even though they've never heard of this technology before. Um, <laughs> from just the ooze standpoint, and then leading into what is another very lengthy uh, plane action scene with turtles falling through the sky which does lead to that lovely looking water you know as we kind of walk through all that
1: i'm not gonna lie i kind of got bored yeah that it felt like this this movie was this movie was too long for what it was and even though there was set pieces that i felt like should have kept it going decently Too many plot threads, too many, you know, action sequences that really felt blank made it just, I, you, you guys heard me like, I was like, we're not even halfway, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I felt like it was though. The whole like end set piece with the,
2: with the like portal coming over New York city sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? (laughs)
1: just short of aliens coming out and the the team standing in a group and the camera circles around as one of them roars at the camera.
2: I I was waiting for the Avengers to pop out and, you know, try to push (laughs) them back into the thing. And I was like, wait a minute. Did they like,
1: this was in 2016. How epic would it have been if the Avengers had showed up? (laughs) (laughs) Crossover (laughs) Iron Man, The,
0: the ultimate crossover. Um, I have to ask just because it is an important character from youth.
1: How did we feel about Krang? Mm, mm. I, you know, it's the design of it. Wasn't terrible. I, like you had said, I don't really understand why he keeps shooting out of the, 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 the stomach piece. Yeah. His armor, his protective thing. Um, that didn't make much sense to me. I think that no matter what, it was going to be an uphill battle to, um, to, to do it. I think. Um, I think that for the most part, it was okay. I think mm-hmm. that the thing that hurt it the most is the fact that Krang showed up kind of out of nowhere when Shredder teleported. And then he re- re- reappears at the end. Like it, like you said, they were chasing the ooze for a good chunk of the movie. And then now the drone was coming out of the portal that they somehow knew about. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was two movies that had been spliced together in inorganically. And as a result, we didn't really get anything about crank until he shows up again. And it was just kind of there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that threw me off the most was like the entire time I was just hearing Brad Garrett's voice from Mm -hmm. everyone loves Raymond (laughs) the -hmm. entire time. Um, and I even made the comment, like the CG for him was like, not there Especially considering, like, you know, this was this was past the era of, like, Davy Jones from The Pirates of the Caribbean, which looked amazing. And he was, like, the most CG-looking thing in the entire movie. I, mm. I
2: feel like they made it harder on themselves than it needed to be, like, with him coming out and going back in. Like, he could have just been inside the robot. Yep. And then, it, but instead, like, he'd pop out and then they'd have to push him back in. But instead of him just going in, like, he'd be, like, some blob of jelly and, like, so it's, like, they added all this extra layer of, like, it almost would have worked worked better, like, if, like, he slipped out of it or something and, you know, like, and then he had to try to push himself back in or something, but it was we just... I feel
1: the cartoon may have done that at times. In, you know what I was just thinking about? This movie didn't really need Shredder in it. No, I think this movie no. could have been about Baxter and Krang trying to do all yeah. this. I think that would have been actually perfect. Like, Shredder didn't add anything other than having the foot there. So, like, if you removed him and just had Baxter as, like, the main thing and then having Krang being the leading force to it, it would have been fine.
2: What about Bebop and Rocksteady? They kind of, they kind of had that shredder connection a bit
1: it didn't have to be though they could have just been two goons it could have been yeah. a
2: baxter connection yeah. right totally yeah. could have been
1: they could have totally just like yeah that's how they found them he they were in the same you know uh truck together or whatever but they could have been anybody they could have literally just found like they could have been two you know goons that you know baxter mm-hmm. or whoever you know anyone make you know eric Sachs came back or something like that but shredder himself wasn't really necessary and it just kind of underserved shredder himself in the story and it made Krang just kind of a side character in this, even though he was the final sure. thing. So Yeah. It's a shame. Well
0: they did definitely try to set it up at the end for another yeah. one since Krang said like I'll be back basically. Mm-hmm. Um and you know ultimately we we were watching these in the lead up for the new one that's coming out for a uh, Mutant Mayhem whose art style I'd say is more akin to like Spider, the the animated Spider man that of that came out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a good way, now that we've gone through five Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-related films, why don't we rank them from 1990 <laughs> to uh, to today? Yeah, do yeah, you say yikes, Bobby? <laughs> yeah. Bobby, if you had to stack all five of them <laughs> that we've watched so far, <laughs> t- tell me, what's your order?
2: Oh, man. All right, well, I'm partial to the very first 1990-whatever-one it is the mm-hmm. very first one so that's first on my list
1: it just falls off uh, from there <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, it goes. there and, then it,
2: it, to... and then and, that, and then that's where it gets hard because it like it drops off a cliff after that i don't know i guess the second one because i still like the i mean the like the original second one the um east secret of the ooze i guess yeah. even though that has a bunch of trouble because i still like the jim henson stuff and then yeah i mean the the problem is like where do you put the others i guess i would do like the first reboot and then the third one turtles in time and then okay this one last i guess just to kind of like mix up the end there a bit
0: (laughs) one one wait one two four three five got it (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) matt Uh, oh, if i go from the opposite direction if i go from worst to best I'd probably put the third movie at the bottom position. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd probably put. It's it's weird because I I guess in my mind I'm I'm, I'm looking at potential, of what it could have been, and mm-hmm. what they tried to do versus what it necessarily delivered as. Um, I'd probably say it's the third one is at the very bottom, and then the first the 2014 Ninja Turtles, then this one. And then two, and then
0: one. One being the, the uh, best, the, yeah. The top, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I I feel like it's that uh the the four and the five here that can just be swapped out. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Number three is at the bottom. One and two to start, and then I don't know. Maybe if I have a a beer or something four can be about five or five can be above four. <laughs> those two could kind of interrotate with each other and three just gets gets a sit way at the bottom there oh my gosh what happened with that one <laughs> so i'm hoping you know mutant mayhem has something positive for us are you all looking forward to that
1: i think that it has a lot of potential i mean i think that being animation gives them more breathing room than i think the live action stuff is um it definitely gives them more room to introduce characters that are kind of out there. Um if the animation style is anything like the into the Spider Verse stuff, I think that could be pretty cool. Um mm-hmm. I'm I don't know, I'm kinda of looking forward to it. I think that the that they'll probably deliver. Um hopefully it's a coherent storyline where like they they definitely at least got the kid thing. Like it feels like from the trailers that they're that they're actually teenagers. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: And not burgeoning on their early 30s. <laughs> Bobby, you looking forward to meeting Mayhem?
2: Yeah, absolutely. you know I think that, Matt, you kind of hit it on the head with the animation thing. I think that that really says a lot for it. And I think that I'm looking forward to the style and all the things. And, you know, I mean, one thing that's fun with animation that kind of works in animation that doesn't work in live action is. You know, a lot of the things that kind of happened in this movie, I think will be better in some of the other Mm. ones if they kind of try to do the same type of thing.
0: So I think this will be my final question, Bobby, if you, and yes, I'm looking forward to the the animated one. If you look at live action films of these, when they take, you know, these cartoons that are beloved and make them live action, do you think there's room to do that again in the future? Can you take something like the turtles and and bring it back at the costumes going again?
2: I mean, I think there's room to do it. I just think it depends on how you do it. I mean, this one clearly, they just wanted to jam a bunch of stuff in it. And this one didn't really, they didn't really worry too much about the script. It seems, although, you know, there's a lot that goes into movies, so it's hard to blame only the script, but they seemed to just kind of explain to us what was happening a lot. Like, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot (laughs) of exposition in this one, but I think part of the problem is it required that too, because there was a lot going on, you know, like Mm -hmm. one, one director said, have your characters be complex, but your plot line simple. And I think that's a good, I don't know what you call those kinds of things, idioms, idioms to live by. So I'd like to see that done in the next iteration of whatever cartoon they decide to reboot or turtle movie or whatever.
0: Live action tick. Matt, do you think there's room for
1: for live action again? You know, it's part of me wants to say yes, but the other part of me has the problem with converting something that's an animated form by nature into live action. I kind of don't want to see it just because I feel like some of it just doesn't translate very well. It's like, Mm. I I really don't want to see any live action avatar series that's coming out or whatever, because there's just Mm. stuff that you can get away with in animation or comics or whatever that I don't think live action really does, especially whenever it comes to comedy. I think that sometimes the comedy gets lost things that are kind of childish in animation that you can do that you just can't do in live action. Um, I do think that if they do try to do a live action, I kind of would much rather them do a more practical approach to it with a mix of CG to kind of get rid of things mm-hmm. like the seam lines and help with facial expressions and stuff like that. I don't know if I would need six mm-hmm. foot tall you know, monster turtles with freakish like a faces. A little bit...
0: Uh, oh my gosh. There, there goes my brain going, Blake, I was going to say Daredevil, <laughs> but that's not who I mean. Ryan, uh... Ryan Reynolds.
2: Oh, Deadpool.
0: Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> there goes any geek cred I have. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of that with the CG kind of helping along, right?
1: Yeah, for like the expressions and stuff with the eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think that at least it would be a enough of a nostalgia trip that I think that you would at least bring in the fans like us who grew up on the original Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah, you can't do as much. But that's where, mm-hmm. like hopefully the CG would kind of you know supplement the the things that you can't do in a suit, right? Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, i I asked because I'd like it. There's just something still when things aren't do, you know heavily dominated by cg it's it's really nice to see, so maybe maybe they'll do that one day. maybe they will. Um, well, I'm glad we went on this journey. maybe never do five films of the same <laughs> series again. <laughs> Especially with how this teared downwards. <laughs> we didn't have, you know, anything to look forward to. Um, we'll see. Maybe there's another thing that'll bring us some joy that we can do commit like track or to.
2: bond, and it's like 40 movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just do a full on bond year. <laughs> Never ending bond. Um, as always, thank you for listening. And you know, Bobby, you took my quote. i'm just gonna let you know so i'm just gonna finish with this one ask yourself what would vin diesel do